What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Lode, and today our guest is Dana Dunford. Today we're talking about the coronavirus and real estate investing and really what we can do to work with our tenants to minimize the impact on our properties. Dana started and runs the company Hem Lane. It's a property management software company. They're really changing the game when it comes to remotely managing your real estate, remotely managing your tenants, your properties. It's great stuff. She's She's got an awesome story, but we don't really get into the story of her starting her company, you know, with all, all the venture capital monies on this episode. Um, you'll have to catch that later. Today, we're talking about coronavirus and its impact on you and your properties. Dana has a lot of inside data, actual data on which, which tenants are paying the bills and which tenants are not, and really that breakdown, what it's looking like, and, and really what it's going to look like for the next couple of months. And these are tough times. We really need to take this advice from her on how to work with our tenants to get money coming in, keep money coming in, and keep our properties it was a great interview. I love talking to Dana. It was, a, it was a great time. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Vogt. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy multifamily real estate with passive investors and share the return. Love talking about real estate investing and we need to stay on top of these current events. And Dana has the data. Dana has the data. I like that. Thank you for tuning in once again. Here we go with Dana Dunford from Hemlane. Dana, thank you for joining us today. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Taylor. Great to talk with you. For those out there who don't know about you, could you tell us about your background, your experience, and what you do in the property management industry? Yes. Uh, my background actually was not in real estate at all. I uh, got into real estate by accident. So I started in technology out in Silicon Valley. Uh, one of my first jobs um, out of school was at Apple, um, doing new product introductions. Um, and at that point, we had been launching, we were launching the iPad as well as other products. Um, through that, it led me to Nest, a company that was actually quite a few employees from Apple went over there. Um, so that's how I got into home technology. Um, my family started with some real estate investments, my brother-in-law in Denver. That was what got me into uh, the real estate investing world, particularly the management of how do you purchase a property somewhere where you don't live and use technology to manage it uh, through a platform. Uh, so that really was the impetus of starting Hemlane Property Management. And uh, so what we believe is the best investments are not in your backyard. Uh, just like stocks, you can pick up and purchase a property anywhere. And then um, we help real estate investors manage those properties from afar uh, and really focused on those who own properties between four rental units up to 100. Although what we have seen over the past five years is that uh, those portfolios continue to grow as we grow. Nice, nice. So building those, uh, building those clients up so they grow their portfolios and you get to grow with them. That's fantastic. And we wanted to talk a bit today about the coronavirus pandemic and, and how property managers and real estate investors need to handle the, these interactions with our, our tenants because this is, these are tough times. You know, many of our tenants might not be able to pay rent. And for us as investors, we need the rent to pay the mortgage and, and all the expenses, things like that. 
And that's stressful. Yeah. That can be, that can make it difficult to manage the communications in our own mindset. So, you know, how should we handle that so we don't uh, mess things up for ourselves? Yes. So for those of you who have property managers, if your property manager has not sent you a notification about how they're handling COVID-19, you should probably reach out to them and see, obviously, how did they handle it in the past um, the past two to three months. Um, so that's, that's number one. Um, but assuming that that has been um, shared, uh, the biggest thing for you as a real estate investor is to understand what the impact is to your particular investment, because it's going to be different for everyone. And the most important thing is that communication, having the tenants have an open line about what is happening to them. So that can be put into your forecast. Um, and then the other thing that I would say about that is, is don't forget that the U.S. does have something that a lot of countries don't, which is the government really coming in to help. And so that is why at every single, you know, at, at the micro level of speaking with each tenant, understanding have they signed up for unemployment, how long are they having that, um, you know, how long do they expect until they get another job? All of that is really important to be factored into it. Um, and that can help change your um, projections. Um, and then the final thing I would say about that is don't forget your tenants are your customer. I do think that a lot of times in the word slumlord um, comes to mind that people forget that. Um, but when you go through a tough time with your tenants and you are upfront and helping them through the financial planning situation associated with it, whether it's deferring rent payments, potentially waiving late fees, all of that will actually transpire into much more loyalty with you once we get out of the economic downturn. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that our, our tenants are our customers. And I see people posting stuff on these like Facebook, you know, real estate groups that are, you know, just hostile messages to their tenants. And hey, you know, maybe the tenant's been a problem in the past. I don't know what the, the history is, but that's really, you know, if you think about our experiences as customers of any other business, or if I was in that tenant's sh shoes, you know, how much reason, how much incentive are you really giving me to, to go out of my way to pay this, this, this rent when I know you, know, you can't, you cannot evict me for maybe two to three more months. Who knows what this timeline's going to yep. look like depending on the market. So, you know, I've got you a bit over a barrel right now. If you're coming at me with, with knives out, what's my reason to, to play ball? Exactly. And it's a lot of education. Uh, your tenants are reading the news that everyone else does. No evictions. Evictions, you know, are um, off the plate and thinking, oh, I, I'll never get evicted. And there's some communication there when they say, I can't pay due to COVID-19. Uh, from that perspective, it, the response should be, most times you shouldn't have emotion in your responses. But in these cases, it should be, I'm so sorry to hear that. We are here to work with you through this. As part of the process, you know, please make sure you um, have the documentation handy associated with you losing your job, hours um, reduced, you know, whatever their documentation is for it, because they might even second guess, ooh, do I really have a claim for this? But you treating them like a customer and also educating them along the way will really have your professionalism come out and show through, the, through the, this um, uncertain time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's rough. And, you know, I, 
this at as property owners at this point, you know, it's kind of too late to prepare for these situations. The preparation should have been done months ago, but you know, if we're rewinding the clock and and thinking about this, you know, how how should we prepare to for for uh, this type of a uh, pandemic situation or or a major cash flow disruption? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, ways we can protect ourselves proactively while not, you know, destroying our return by putting everything in reserves? Yeah, uh, great, great question. And I, I think from that perspective, it's any financial planning, you should always have a certain amount of cash for a rainy day fund, right? Over 50% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck but you should not be one of those Americans. And while you may leverage some certain aspects of your investments, you should always have a rainy day fund. Um, what that fund looks like is probably, probably different and what your actions are based on what your rainy day fund looks like are probably different. Um, in other words, if you only have a three month rainy day fund, you might have to sell investments at a loss or something like that to be able to make up for that if, you, if you're taking a little bit more of a risk profile. From my perspective, I always say I need a year of cash or some something liquid that I can take out immediately for myself to be able to run um, in, with the same style of living that I want to, et cetera. Um, every single investor is going to be different for you and what your reserves are and how you pull money out of certain investments will be different for everyone. Uh, but I, I do think it's a good any downturn is a good time for people to think about and take a step back and say, what is my financial planning? What does that look like? And how should I be changing the allocation of what I own asset wise? Yeah, I've heard people make the case or seen people make the case on, you know, various personal finance, you know, financial independence planning type of forum saying, ah, you don't really need a six month reserve or whatever in cash. You just hold it in, you know, securities and whatever, you know, and just sell when you need to. And I'm just thinking, I, I don't want to take a 30 to 40% haircut on, you know, these more liquid assets. You know, I could just hold cash uh, for that money and, you know, forego some potential return just to, you know, back up the downside. As far as impacts on you know, your clients' properties and, and things that you've seen, in the market, um, you know, what have you seen so far? And, and just for, for context of folks, you know, we're recording this in early April. I'm going to jostle some things around so that, you know, this episode goes out this month in April, uh, whereas normally, you know, it'd be probably a couple months from now, just based on recording schedule so that we are getting this information out in a timely manner. So anyway, to go back to the question, how is this uh, pandemic actually impacting th things like collections and, you know, performance of these properties in your portfolios? Yeah, great question, Taylor. Uh, so we ran all of the numbers associated with rent collection. And the best way to look at it is for on-time payments historically. So tenants who always historically paid on time, every single month, what percentage of those tenants still always pay on time? And what we found out of over um, 5 million of rental payments within any given month, we found that on average, um, less than 1% would always default to the next month. So out of the, all the tenants who paid on time, fewer than 1% of them would default the following month. 
April was different than any other month. So in April, we suddenly saw that number jump up from less than 1% to 5%. So in other words, 5% of tenants who historically had a great record of paying on time defaulted this month. And we also took that information and uh, divided it into different segments, different regions, different rental rates to really understand what was happening um, with that. And, and there were actually two trends we saw apparent. One, it was across the board. Whether you had rent over, under $1,000 a month, between 1,000 to 2.5,000, over 2.5,000 in monthly rent, um, everyone was somehow impacted where the numbers did go up, the defaults. However, the ones that were had the greatest impact were two different categories. One was those with under $1,000 in monthly rent. So um, any rental that was under $1,000, we saw default rates go up more so than the other categories. But interestingly, it also was anyone with over rental amounts over $5,000 a month. So their monthly rent was over $5,000 a month. And when we drilled down into that even further, what we found was in, in those situations, it was houses that had multiple tenants who were all jointly responsible. So think of like a five bedroom with five different tenants. It was usually just one of them defaulting, but then the entire group would default where historically they all were able to pay on time. You didn't see that happen anymore. Um, now what we do expect, we did pull some other numbers, even though it's early in April, we did pull some additional numbers and we saw that in March, May, we expect it to be even worse. The default rates um, if from like February to May. And the reason for that is we did see comments of tenants saying, I have my job until March 20th. I have my job until March 25th. I'll be able to pay April rent. I won't be able to pay May rent. Um, now, one of the things we don't understand with that, or we're still trying to figure out here in April, is what percentage of those who are losing their jobs, how quickly can they get their unemployment benefits and what do those look like? Because a lot of these unemployment packages are $4,000 a month. With $1,000 in monthly rent, they should be fine to pay that. And so really understanding the uncertainty of how quickly can they get those benefits and what do those benefits look like, that will actually really dictate how May looks, May and June. Okay, okay. And how does the, that, that is absolutely one of my, fears and concerns for properties I own is, you know, what's Mar oh, sorry, what's May going to look like as um, April looked good for us. Um, but yeah, May is still a, a big question mark as we talk now. How does the uh, stimulus package kind of factor into, I, I mean, we're talking crystal ball here, right? None of these things have, are really, the ball's not rolling, the checks haven't been written or any of that yet. But how does that factor into your expectations for you know, what's going to happen in the market, particularly at the lower end of the, you know, dollar per month spectrum? Yeah. So I think overall with, with the package, um, it, it's there. One of the fortunate things that the U.S. has that a lot of other countries do, do not have is a stimulus package um, to be able to help business owners to help landlords mortgages, right? Um, anything like that for you to be able to defer those payments, not have foreclosures, et cetera. The question is how quickly can they action it? I mean, for example, the small business loans, 
it's been an absolute nightmare. Everyone's on their banks. Bank websites are crashing because no one can handle all of the demand. Um, no one can get their applications in. So then there's uncertainty of when they're even going to get the funds. Um, so I think while, while it will be figured out, the question is timing on that, how long that takes. Um, and I, I do think the question with the stimulus package is it's going to have to be readdressed of, hey, these funds are going to dry out. What does it look like and how long do we have these unemployment benefits and, and when do things um, reopen? And so all of that is, is still, there's still a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, a lot of big question marks on this. I mean, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're talking on uh, April 8th here and these things haven't been passed and it, it just the amount of time that logic dictates dictates that it would take for you know if they passed something tomorrow to just figure out the logistics of getting the money out to the right people say just a $1200 check that's got to take a couple of weeks right they can't do it in a day no way that's too much to ask so what's it going to mean and and 1200 bucks you know is not a lot of money and it's not going to last that long so you know if we're talking what are things looking like moving into June and then July and, and so on. And, you know, are these small businesses where a lot of people work going to be able to recover quickly? I mean, we don't know what the next, like next couple months end up uh, looking like. Exactly. Yep. So it's, it's still to be determined. Um, and you should be pretty conservative from a cash perspective that if you do need to sell things um, at a loss or, or break even, um, to be able to fund the next uh, couple of months, I would be a little bit conservative from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about that <laughs> that myself at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, most I think most you know, tell me if this is your experience, but most people that I know, my business partners and I, we a couple of weeks ago stopped all maintenance that was not emergency type of scenarios, just to you know keep cash on hand and make sure we're really being conservative with what we've got in the bank just in case things get bad. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for tenants, it's also for their safety. You can say of we're not doing a lot of this maintenance. It's actually because we do not want interactions of service professionals and you. Um, so that coupled with um, being able to save that cash in case people default um, is a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, craziness, crazy times right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Dana, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Okay. Education is definitely first. Uh, what I would say is it's probably Hemlane, the property management platform. The reason I actually say that, it sounds like a cop-out answer. The reason I say that is I actually, when I invested in it um, and started the company, I got out of business school with $0 in my bank account, just having spent two years full-time in Boston in business school and um, went through it and, you know, was took far longer to build um, than ever, but now we're actually seeing all of our hard work and the whole concept of virtual property management, being able to manage your properties from your home, suddenly starting to transpire in that sense. Um, so that would definitely be the best investment. Nice. Well, you know, it's a good sign that your current business is your best investment, especially, you know, while we're not all of us, but most people are, you know, quarantined at home and 
can't leave the house, uh, it's, it's a great time to be able to manage your properties from home. So I like that. On the other side of the best investment coin, we have the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Worst investment would be on the stock side. I can think of one in particular, which is Facebook. Uh, I was in college, um, so undergrad, and I and I heard Facebook was IPOing. Um, called a broker from Morgan Stanley back before Robinhood, and I, you know you could do all this stuff yourself, and said, you know, I want to get into Facebook. And of course, as everyone here knows, Facebook tanked um, on its IPO. And I think I lost $5,000 and for a broke college student and losing that, (laughs) you're like, wait a second. Um, And then we were going into obviously 2008 crash um, when I graduated as well. Um, So all of that um, combined uh, was definitely, definitely worst investment was on the stock side. Wow. All right. Well, I think if you, if you'd held onto it a few, um, well, I don't know, maybe a decade you'd be up, but it's, yeah. it's hard to take that initial loss. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Yeah. So I, I heard this from one of my uh, professors at business school who said, don't run out of cash. And he said it every single day. And um, actually now in, in running investments in running a company it could not be more true. Um, the amount of stress you have when you're worried about payroll, being able to invest in growth, if you don't have cash, you're not making the right decisions. Mentally, it is a terrible position to be in. Always make sure you have enough cash. And if you're worried you don't, figure out a way to get more cash very quickly um, because you will lose your mind. Um, there's too much anxiety there and you're not running your business how you should. Wow. I think that is great advice, a great lesson. And I think that's a big mistake that a lot of small businesses make is maybe they take on, you know, some big liability that they're, they, they don't realize that, all right, well, it's, it's net 30 payments and I'm not going to get paid for 30 days, but then something might happen. I might not get paid for another 60 days and they, they run out of cash and have to take short-term loans that get expensive. And I think that's, that's great advice. So I, I like it. I like it. Well, Dana, thank you for everything today. The coronavirus is absolutely, you know, obviously on everyone's mind. I hope everybody's staying safe and hopefully staying profitable. If folks want to learn more about Hemlane, more about you, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch? Uh, yes, uh, please reach out. It's www.hemlane.com. Uh, you can also reach out to me. Email is fastest response. So it's Dana, D-A-N-A at hemlane.com. Nice. Dana at hemlane.com. Great. Well, thanks once again. I, you know, this is on everybody's mind and we all, you know, it's going to end eventually. It's all going to be okay in a couple years, at least, you know, worst case scenario. And hopefully we all, you know, learn some, some tough but important lessons out of this. And, and I appreciate your your time today. For everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A very big help. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.